there, this is Frankie. And this is Jana. And we're the owners of Zenly Yoga Studio. Zenly is a neurodivergent owned and operated studio in St. Peter's on Gadigal land. We made a space where neurodivergent, BIPOC, queer, fat, disabled and just nervous people can come and experience movement. We have quiet corners, low lighting, accessibility aids and trauma-informed staff. Have a first free class on us. Go to zenly.com.au, sign up and use the offer code NYNT. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Not Your Neurotypical Podcast, the podcast dedicated to exploring the real experiences, insights, challenges and perspectives of neurodivergent individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Raylene Sebastian, and I was diagnosed with ADHD later in life. In each episode, we'll be delving into the fascinating world of neurodivergence, a concept that celebrates the incredible diversity of human minds. We'll unravel misconceptions, share personal stories, and offer practical insights to create a more inclusive and accepting world for everyone. Whether you're neurodivergent, neurotypical, or somewhere in between, this podcast is your bridge to building empathy, breaking down barriers, and fostering a community where differences are not just acknowledged, but celebrated. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. Before we jump in, a note on our content. This is created for adult audiences only. We advise listener and reader discretion for depictions and discussions of mental illness, existential struggle, and some downright filthy language. It can be a lot to take in. So if you need a breather, take a break or come back later. Remember, help is available at Lifeline by calling 13 11 14. In this episode, I interview Charlie. Diagnosed at 44, Charlie is currently a COO for a large e-commerce business. She discovered that she shared similar experiences with that of her boss, who is also neurodivergent, and without them, she would not have sought a diagnosis. Charlie is currently studying and training to one day pivot into counseling alongside Reiki and acupressure. She works with a naturopath to help her brain work even better without relying solely on medication. She is a loving wife and mother and enjoys swimming, rain, hail or shine, as it keeps her sane and grounded. Charlie and I discussed the ADHD tax, object permanence, and having two brains and so-called Dory moments, the healthcare system in Sydney and its lack of support with women and ADHD, and the impact of having a late diagnosis. Charlie has created her own Facebook community for women with ADHD from the Northern Beaches, and I will add this to the show notes for anyone interested in joining. I hope you enjoy this episode. To episode six of Not Your Neurotypical Podcast, and I'm here with Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Good. Um, how are you? Ah, uh, sliding in sideways. <laughs> I'm medicated morning, but you know we got here in the end. We did. We did, and we can definitely relate. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm very glad you're here. Um, but to start, we are going to play relatable or not. So in this little game, I will read um, random ADHD memes from, of course, Instagram, and we will discuss and nitpick it and sure. see Excellent. if it relates. <laughs> so first one I have is from ADHD memes. Sometimes my ADHD is, quote, oh, I dropped something on the floor. Oh, well, I'll pick it up later, unquote. Then walking past it every day for a week, angry at it, for being on the floor, but also not being able to pick it up and put it away. Relatable or not? <laughs> totally. I actually had a, oh, God. I just, this happened just, we just moved house about six months ago. And yeah. in our old place, I had a pot plant that used to belong to my dear departed mother. Mm-hmm. And she had kept it for like 20 years, this pot plant, and we got it. And then I'd walk past it every day. Oh, my God, the pot plant needs 
needs water literally every day on my way to the bathroom I had to go past it to get to the bathroom it's like oh the pot plant needs water the pot plant needs water and it was one of those peace lilies so it always tells oh, you when yeah. it actually needs water that's right and I was like oh no it'll be fine one more day one more day it'll be fine one more day bloody hell that pot plant needs water and then I actually killed the pot plant no. because I walked past it every day and just couldn't actually water the pot plant even though I needed no. it needed doing I knew it needed doing <laughs> it's leaves were telling me it needed doing and I just yeah yeah no, oh yeah no so worries. much stuff like that I've left a I left my brand new $800 bike in our laneway oh, wow. and let it rust oh, to death no. because oh. I knew I needed to put it in the garage and yeah. I didn't uh, <laughs> ADHD relatable. tax yeah yes. god it's my right? It is, and like I, I got the tax. It's like the tax is just insane. It's so freaking expensive. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I remember Wild. hearing about um, like ADHD tax and not realizing how much of a toll that takes. And oh my carajo! I let my carajo lapse for like <laughs> four months. So four months I left my carajo lapse. Well, because we don't even have the stickers on the windows anymore, right? <laughs> oh, that's true. I forgot about so we don't even have, we don't even have the stickers. And if it's not an alarm, then I don't know. It doesn't get done. So I'd let it lapse for four months. Then I was driving to work one morning with my music really loud, like so loud, and the police pulled me over and I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to get a fine for, like, having my music too loud. And they were like, no, we don't care about you, music. Your rego's out by four months. And I'm like, what? Four months. Oh, God. $1,200 later for the fine. And then I had to pay my rego. Oh. I was like, yeah, massive yep. tax. It costs me a lot yeah. all of the time. Uh, it's really bad. It it's is, just so uh, bad. I feel Yeah, um, that's so relatable, that one. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, if anything, you brought the realistic truth to it all, and that's great. I wild. You, it is wild, and you mentioned um, the plant, and it's funny because I had a um, my coworkers brought bought me. I'm not really a plant lady, but they decided to buy me. I'm clearly a, not. <laughs> they bought me an orchid plant, like an orchid plant, I guess. Oh, and, they're the worst. Um, you have to really look after those. But like it said on the, the tag, like, oh, it's a very like low maintenance. I'm like, it clearly, well, you still gave it no. to the wrong person. I've, yeah, wrong I've person. I can kill a cactus. Yeah, I can kill a cactus. Yeah. So I just have plastic plants now. I have a fiddle tree fig leaf that yes. is like so beautiful. And I'm actually oh. just really like particular about keeping it alive. But I've only had Good. it for four months. So watch this space. Who knows? <laughs> yeah well I mean it lasts as long as the um the car rego lapse so I'm sure yeah. it's okay oh god the car rego <laughs> and my motorbike just doesn't even have rego like it's oh, just out the street but, uh, well, yeah you know like that, I yeah I have to get it re-regoed and oh <laughs> bad well that reminds me of the time like well it was COVID but like I had a yeah I had a scooter license and obviously they weren't you weren't allowed to do like your writing test and I just kept missing it and then I was like oh well I can't have it anymore like because I've lapsed and I've just never you know <laughs> never addressed it and like it never put two and two together like it's like oh I just whatever but it's not in front of me yeah. so I won't do it you know it's object oh, no. like I'm always just like ah oh, the universe I'm just not meant to do it because the universe I'm like since I've been diagnosed it's like yeah, no, that's your brain, babe. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So yeah. you're bring it's her not back. the universe. Yeah. That's your brain. <laughs> that's right. Oh dear. Well, that's a good first one, I think. Um, second is relatable or not is um, two. <laughs> this is pretty relevant. Two neurodivergent people having a conversation is literally just a nonstop loop. Of, oh yeah, that reminds me of. <laughs> oh just my god, yeah. <laughs> it's like herding kittens. Like it is literally like oh. herding kittens. Because you just, you just, you try and stay, especially when you're not medicated. Like you try and stay on track. <laughs> and it's just like I actually saw this meme last night on Instagram. It was a video, and this this woman was 
giving a critique of some pudding or something. And she's like, oh, it reminds yeah. me of my mother and how much she loved to cook and was getting quite emotional. And then she's like, oh, is that chocolate tart? Can I have some of that? And I was oh, yeah, it's like a cooking show or something. Yeah, I remember seeing that. That was hilarious. She came to like super like emotional about this, whatever it was that, you know, someone used to bake for her. And then she's like, oh, and I call it my Dory moments because, you know, Dory is always like swimming, oh. swimming, oh, shiny thing. I love that. My yeah, Dory, Dory moments. moments. Yeah, I have I lots of Dory moments. That. Oh, my God. That might be your quote. I just what feel like it. I just, yeah, I just feel like a dory a lot of the time, like swimming around, yeah. see a shiny thing. I do it at work all the time. Like I'm a COO and like my yeah. staff just know that like you'll be, ha- we'll be having a meeting about, you know, systems and processes and I'll start talking yeah. about cheesecake or something random because it'll just <laughs> pop into my brain. Hey, that's uh, that sounds important. Cheesecake's important. I love oh, me a good just cheesecake. Such a dory, such a dory, yeah. Conversations with other oh. neurodivergence. Oh my god, yeah, interesting. We have a lot. We have a massively neurodiverse workforce. So yeah, oh, yeah. it gets interesting. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, if it, I mean, it, it keep, helps. You know, that's right. It keeps it interesting. It helps yeah. you stimulate. You know, keeps you stimulated. It's really good. Totally. Oh, yeah. Well, we proved that is relatable. Yeah, <laughs> that one's relatable. Totally. <laughs> so last but not least, um, this one's from ADHD Elite. Being the first in your family diagnosed with ADHD is confusing until you realize the pantry is full of food that expired in 2015. The storage room is in need of an archaeological excavation. (laughs) Forgotten mugs inside the microwave and everyone's hot tempered and without a filter. Relatable. Totally. So relatable. (laughs) So I was only diagnosed last year um, Mm. at 40. God, I can't even remember how old I am. 44, 45, 77, however old that makes. <laughs> That's a number. I don't ever pay attention to it. So, so anyway, so I've had, it's like, uh, literally just over a year because I was diagnosed in April or May. Mm. See, God, yeah, right. unmedicated, can't wow. remember this stuff. Um, <laughs> and then in hindsight, I was like, yeah, wow, my mum. My mum had ADHD massively. Mm. Um, yeah, right. My sister does as well Mm -hmm. she was I didn't realize but she was actually diagnosed when she was 15 um but you know 30 years ago girls weren't medicated it wasn't looked Mm -hmm. into it was such a boys bouncing off the walls kind of thing um Mm -hmm. and so we I wasn't I was you know the high achiever that talked too much in class Mm -hmm. um and the Mm -hmm. daydreamer and because I still you know got good grades and no one actually realized how much I was struggling um mm-hmm. but yeah in hindsight definitely my mum oh my goodness yeah she was yeah. an ADHD to the max but she yeah. was much like me in that she, you know she had her scaffolds I call them life scaffolds like the things that mm-hmm. keep me propped up yeah and so she had her scaffolds that kept her propped up so you know most people talking to her wouldn't even have picked it up for all intent- oh, yeah. yeah for all intents and purposes she just presented to the world as normal neurotypical yeah Yeah. so yeah it was um yeah my mum definitely god lower (laughs) well yeah that's like you know like everyone says when you go through a diagnosis and you didn't know about it but then you obviously go through that deep diving of um your genealogy you know and then yeah and you know realizing your upbringing was like that's all it was all along (laughs) yeah totally Um, and my sister just got re-diagnosed last year as well um but we present so differently so differently so she's um should have had my meds because now I can't think she is (laughs) what's that what is it when you get your letters back to front dyslexia yes she's got dyslexic she's she is dyslexic so she all through high school really really struggled because she had the dyslexia on top of the ADHD then Mm -hmm. as she got older they or you know psychiatrists told her that she didn't have ADHD that she was um had depression and anxiety Mm. and all of that sort of stuff which is you know obviously a comorbidity in women but is Mm. what is predominantly diagnosed for women because in Mm -hmm. women it's just so under-researched and understudied and um, there's, you know, this big outcry that 
there are so many women being diagnosed and it's turning into a fad and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, no, it's not a fad. We were just missed. There's a whole generation of us in my age group, you know, 45 and older, we were just completely missed. And, Mm. yeah, it's actually quite sad. It is. It is. Yeah. And Um, misdiagnosed with depression and all of those sort of things and anxiety and everything that we don't have. Um, I Mm. never was. I just had my scaffolds and got on with life. Um, Mm. And, you know, then in comes the imposter syndrome and everyone's like, oh, you're so amazing at your job and blah, 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 and you have such a great life and yada, yada. And I'm like, well, if it's, I'm so great at it. Why is it so hard? Like everything was <laughs> yeah. so hard. Like I was just struggling to stay on top of my life pretty much mm. and um, mm. didn't realise that it was, wasn't supposed to be that hard until I yeah. got diagnosed and everything changed. That's right. Um yeah, I think when I look back, I mean, I had my, I don't think my parents will ever get a diagnosis, but I don't want to diagnose them either, like myself. But yeah, yeah. It's like I could very much tell that there was a lot of new, you know, neurodivergent totally. um, behaviors, right? And it's like, you know, even though I go, like, hey, mom, dad, you know, you got something. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it just helped me recognize those things. And I think whether or not that happens, it's still good to then have that reflection and be like, well, then I can note that down, like it, that it's yeah, something for me to definitely. work on, and you know. Yeah. So, and and that's the thing when you when someone doesn't tell you that, and and then you start noticing it, it becomes a huge realization, and also like the whole relief and the grieving and the and it just it's yeah, it's, just yeah, so much, yeah, so much, it's yeah, it's huge. What's the process? A lot, a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's big. <laughs> Yeah. Well, speaking of diagnosis and and all this, um, let's let's hear from you. Like, what? How did that go with you? And you know, and I mean, I guess you know. First of all, introduce yourself, <laughs> um, and then we can talk about your diagnosis. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um. So I was diagnosed uh, last year. Um. I am currently a chief operating officer for a large uh, e-commerce business. Um, we Maybe. do women's fashion. Um, I never imagined I would ever work in female fashion. It was just not my thing <laughs> at all. Um, yeah. So started working for this amazing, the owner is just the founder, owner, whatever you want to call her. She is amazing. She's so amazing. She is undiagnosed something. We don't know what. <laughs> We don't know what she's not going to go get diagnosed. She's like, it's just my brain. I'm fine. I don't need help. Like, so she just, she right. is like, she would, I would call her a genius. She's actually just next level amazing. So when I started working for her, I was like, wow, says her brain is wild. Like the way she functions, the way she does things, the way she thinks, it's just like, wow, says this is like, she is next level. And I just used to be like, what like actually like is she autistic is she high functioning has she got ADHD ADHD like I just knew she was neurodiverse and then the Mm. more I got to know her because I've only been there for 18 months the more I got Mm. to know her I was like wow we're so similar like we think the same like all of this sort of stuff and then I was like then one day I was like oh but hang on if we're the same and I think she's neurodiverse like what am I (laughs) and I don't know it was just really weird it was just like this light bulb moment I was like oh wow shit oh my goodness oh sorry I just swore I was like oh wow my god like if she's neurodiverse then maybe I am as well um and then you know social media being what it is ADHD is just everywhere the last two years and I think a lot of it cropped up during COVID um people working from home Mm. and being Mm. around, you know, outside their normal parameters, realised that there was just stuff going on and they were like, wow, this is actually not quite right. Or, you know, they were working at home with their husbands and their husbands would be like, "Mm, this isn't quite right. (laughs) Um, Mm. So, yeah, there was a lot of ADHD stuff going around and I'd been seeing it probably for about six months or so before I started working with her. 
And then it was probably about six months of working with her. So all up about a year before I was like, I think I'm ADHD. <laughs> yeah, and then right. I did a, um online quiz with, um, uh, there's a magazine called Attitude. And they have a really specific online quiz for women. Um, yeah. You just answer a bunch of, qu- bunch of questions and it spits out, you know, like a, a probability of whether you mm-hmm. have ADHD or not. And I think I got like 79 out of 91 or something. It's like, yeah. oh, that's kind of quite high. Um, and then, yes, but I was speaking to my hypnotherapist because I was seeing her to deal with anxiety and stuff, which, you know, is all part of mm. ADHD and comorbidity. And mm. she was like, she said, yeah, I actually think you are, but I'm not allowed to diagnose. So there you go. I was like, great. So I took myself yeah. off to a psychiatrist, got um, 17 out of 18 on the, I forget what the test is called. So I, mm. I really well and truly have ADHD. Um, but yeah. I have, as I called them before, I have my scaffolds. Um, and I, you know, I have alarm clocks and I have lists. I have like just stuff in place that gets me through my day. Like I have a, an alarm clock to remind my son to go to bed because I'll get mm. sucked into some vortex and the next thing I know it's 11 o'clock and I've been down some rabbit hole and he's still up gaming, you know, he's only 13. <laughs> so I have to like have an have an alarm clock to remind me to put him to bed. I have an alarm clock to remind me to take my medication. I have an alarm clock to remind mm. me to do my stretches at night. Like I just have so mm. many things in place that keep me going. And friends have always just thought I was really organized. I was like, no, mm. if I don't have these things, my whole world just falls apart. Like yeah. I just literally cannot function with all these things in place because for all intents and purposes, I have this amazing career and this great life and, you know, I'm high functioning, but I'm I'm not if I don't have all these things in place. And then right. I remember after I got diagnosed and started my meds, I sat in my boss's office and just cried. I was like, oh, my God, is this what it's like? Is this what it's mm. like to have no noise in your brain? Like, mm. wow. And then I was just – and then I, you know, got it. Yeah, the grief I didn't sit in the grief for very long because I was like it is what it is mm. I'm a bit of a hippie and you know the universe puts you where you need to be and so mm. I was like well god imagine if I'd been diagnosed at 15 like where would I be and what would I be doing and holy smokes like how different could my life have been and I might have actually finished my four degrees instead of just finishing one and like mm. yeah it was I had a whole lot of what ifs which I, as I said, didn't sit in for very long because they don't mm. serve me and they don't serve any okay. purpose to sit with that grief. Mm. And was just like, so now I just call it brain one and brain two and brain one is unmedicated and brain two is medicated and, yeah, I just have two different brains <laughs> and I can use them how I want to use them. Um, but, yeah, so I, I have had a great career. I have one son. Um, I have a hubby, obviously. Well, not obviously, not everyone has a hubby with a son. Uh, and mm-hmm. yeah, my son's 13. He's got his own neuro quirks. Um, he doesn't have ADHD, ADHD, but he has, um, Erlen syndrome and word retrieval syndrome. So like you can show him a picture of a cat. Um, mm-hmm. and he can't think of the name. It's like when a stroke victim loses their words, they can't. find the word that they're thinking of uh, and it affects everything for him reading writing the only thing it doesn't seem to affect is maths Um, it affects maths if it's like a written sentence like there's nine Mm. cats and one goes away how many are left so if it's words instead of numbers it'll affect him Um, Mm -hmm. but with a lot of OT and stuff like that and he's gotten much better and is now in high school and Mm. is in a great school and is thriving. Um, and, yeah, hubby definitely, I would say, is ADHD as well. Um, but, you know, yeah. birds of a feather flock together. So, right. yeah, um, he's – but he's Balinese. Uh, he grew up in a very small village in the middle of nowhere in a bamboo hut with a mud floor. Right. Hardly even went to school, let alone have any kind of, you know, therapies or anything like that. Um, mm. so yeah, it's, he's 
he's definitely neurodiverse, <laughs> thousand percent neurodiverse. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just he just gets on with it. It's not he he doesn't understand it. Um, he now understands my brain a bit better because I've sent him stuff to read um, and things like mm. that, and he understands our son's brain. Um, but yeah, he's just not interested in. He doesn't feel the need to fix his own, so which is fine. It's his decision. So yeah, we all still love him. <laughs> yeah. That's what counts. Yeah. Tell me about me. Uh, I ocean swim four or five times a week in the ocean all year round. No wetsuit. Middle of winter. I just love it. I used to. Uh, it just keeps me grounded. It clears my brain. It just yeah, it just is my thing. Washes it all away. Uh, love reading. I am a massive hippie. I'm working towards my Reiki masters. I'm doing acupressure at the end of the year. I am also doing my counselling diploma. So I have a very two very two very different sides of my brain. I have my exec brain that works as a COO and looks at processes and all procedures and all of that sort of stuff and data and that end and then I've got this very very hippie woo brain that is like so <laughs> soft and yeah two very different sides to me um yeah I don't know I think that's it that's me really <laughs> not well, very, very large nutshell <laughs> <laughs> no, I was trying I to be really brief and I wasn't <laughs> It's hard to, especially uh, with all the tangents we can go on. No, oh, I yeah, totally. it was. Um, no, it was. It was very nice to hear that. I've been. I've read it through your emails, but hearing all that, going through your diagnosis journey, and and then you know, um, when you mentioned your sister as well before, yeah. and then your mum as well. Um, no, it's all very helpful, I reckon. And I mean, did obviously you didn't sit in the grief very long. I think that's also very like a powerful thing I've, I've noted this um in recent episodes where um like you can sit in it for sure but it's yeah. like I mean you need well, to acknowledge yeah, it because if, it. <laughs> yeah you need to acknowledge yeah. it because it is a, it is a part of the whole process and if you don't mm. acknowledge it it's just going to mess with your head yeah. later on so you do Absolutely. need to you know address it and see it for what it mm. is but there's no point dwelling on the what ifs because you can't yes, change right. it. Like you can't change it. You can just mm. make going <laughs> forwards better. So that's right, exactly. And you, yeah, that's right. That's all you can do, right? Just totally think about it, let it process, then move on. And what can yeah. you do better? Um, no, but I think you know you've had a very wonderful journey. I'm glad it's taken you here to today and your Dory moments. I'm still loving that Dory, such um, Dory. And your brain one, and, yeah, your brain one and brain two. I like that that you. Um, have put that into like the idea like yeah brain one you know functions I guess in this just way that, and he was like oh that's that's interesting and I'm like well I have two brains now well I've only <laughs> I've always only ever you know you only ever have one and I only ever thought I have one mm. but I have two very different ways of functioning now like medicated mm. and unmedicated it's like it's two very mm. very different brains in that sense and then I have mm. two very different ways that it functions in that I have the executive level functioning and then I have my hippie woo functioning yeah. so it's like I just very definitely have brain one and brain two and my psychiatrist yeah. just like yeah wow okay I'm like well, yeah isn't that logical <laughs> clearly not no that's right and you, no clearly but that's the thing I've he heard a lot of stories where um, a lot of the times um, neurodivergence will almost diagnose themselves before professionals will. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. I've, heard, I've had a lot of that as well. <laughs> yeah. And then I yeah. think it's when you start realising or you have the awareness that there is something mm. going on. And I think also, um, I think this is going to lead into one of your questions, but, you know, when you realise, when you start researching on how hard it is to get in to see a psychiatrist and how much it is actually going to mm. cost you and things like that, mm -hmm. then, you know, you need to do your own research and you need to do your own self-diagnosis because mm -hmm. far out, who's got, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just about to pay $700 next week to see a new psychiatrist and had to pay $80 oh. for the referral and, Who's got that kind of money? Mm. Like I am really, really lucky mm. that I do. 
Um, and I'm really mm. lucky that I have those resources. But, you know, so many people don't. And if you don't help mm. yourself then and you can't afford to get the help, then you're just going to keep going. And I really, I think a lot of, a lot of it is, you know, if you can help yourself and if you can self-diagnose and look at ways of um, bettering your own brain, then you might as well. Mm. Well, that's right. Um, and I think obviously, that's something I've learned a lot is to advocate. Yeah, definitely. Like and obviously, <laughs> though, being ADHD, some people, because we all present very differently, some people don't have mm. that cognitive ability to be able to help themselves, um, right. which, which is really mm. unfortunate as well. But I think if mm. you can recognise it in yourself, even if you do can't help yourself and you do still flounder, as long as you know that you're not broken, like it is just something mm. different in your brain, then I think that is yeah. just a relief in itself. So I, you know, I think people are like, don't Dr. Google and all of that sort of stuff. But with ADHD, <laughs> it is it can just be so apparent and so like mm. in your face that this is actually what is going on with you. And sometimes yeah. just being able to Dr. Google and have this realisation is enough to be like, wow, okay, I'm not broken and, you know, there's a million and one Facebook groups and support groups and all of that sort of stuff. And mm -hmm. even if you can't afford to go and see a psychiatrist or, you know, you can't afford or you literally just don't have the cognitive ability to help yourself, there is that support out there um, mm. in Facebook land or there's just so many Facebook groups. <laughs> oh, I started one as well for, my, yeah. for our locals. But, yeah, it's just, no. yeah, it's wild. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's a lot. Yeah, a that's lot. Right. It's a lot to get into. I I can I can attest to that. I know I I didn't I wasn't aware of myself until people had like my closest support network was like you know they because they you know I wasn't on in tick I wasn't on TikTok I wasn't aware of it at all and then you know eventually they were like hey just have a look at this and consider this and then and then obviously I went down that rabbit hole and then I was like okay yeah. What do I do? And then luckily for me, like I'm very fortunate to have a great support network to help me there. And yeah. I think that's something as well that's very important to have is like, yes, you can have healthcare access to that. But then like, if, yeah, if you can't help yourself, then maybe someone who is able to go, hey, I'm seeing this in you. Just yeah, totally. You know, look into it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and that's such a big help because if you're already crying for help, but no one is able to give you that kind of lift up yeah it's tough it's because, really tough you know then yeah so tough yeah, and I'm I, super fortunate that I could actually afford the cost of a psychiatrist it's just yeah mm. it's so expensive and I was telling my GP how much I, when I went in to get my $80 referral it took three minutes okay. when I was telling her that it was a <laughs> referral for my new psychiatrist and it was going to cost me hundreds of dollars she was like what she's like I'm in the wrong industry and I'm like Definitely. <laughs> Is that what she yeah. said? <laughs> she's like, I took the she's like, I took the wrong specialty. And I'm like, Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> you really did. Well, yeah, and then you'd you'd yeah, you'd be making the money, I'd assume, and then you'd be booked out for months. So. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Like, I just don't mm. i I've no I you know, I I don't understand the whys, but I just don't understand you know, the shortage in psychiatrists and the wait lists. And I understand, you know, obviously that there's a whole heap of mental health issues going on in people, especially after COVID and stuff like that. But mm. far out, like some people are waiting six months. Like in the UK, you can wait three oh. to four years to see a psychiatrist. Oh. It's wild. Yeah. It is just wild. And I just, I was really fortunate that my first psychiatrist, uh, that was like six weeks, I think. Um, yeah, and then right. he retired and then this new psychiatrist, uh, he knew I was going away for a month and that I needed a new script. So he fit me in, uh, I think it was Good three idea. or four weeks. So I've mm -hmm. oh, touched wood. I've just been super fortunate. Um, yeah. But it blows my mind when I read in Facebook groups and stuff that, you know, A, the cost and then B, the t wait times. Yes. And these people yeah. are just like, they legitimately just need help, just need help. And it just, yeah. ah, 
I, it infuriates me. Me too. It's a big, it's just a big gap. I find. Yeah. Like it, or people that just can't afford it. Full stop. Like. Oh, of course. And then, and then to wait because that I feel like that makes the process not not only long but so much more frustrating yeah. because you go into a spiral because you keep having to question yourself then you go and I'm sure you would go through imposter syndrome yeah I like like you I'm very fortunate that I only waited two months and that alone that I felt was still oh it was such a long time, time. yeah it was to... yeah it was like oh my god yeah. I can't wait that long because once you have that realization yeah. you just want to fix it yeah and it's just that's right <laughs> yeah like you're like okay my brain needs fixing and I need to fix it like mm. come on hurry up I just need mm. to do this right now because <laughs> you know yeah it just let me talk to someone an ADHD <laughs> over the fixation you know what we're like it's like right I just need no. to do it now <laughs> <laughs> well that's it it's all or nothing like just do it come on yes right and um like I whenever I hear like hearing that like UK three years I can't even fathom that whereas when I hear people from Sydney going oh I have had to wait you know six months or more I'm already like at six months or more I'm like what is happening yeah because I'm already at, at the two month mark I was like oh my god this is long I was lucky that I was or like planning a wedding and then having a wedding like it was like keeping me busy to be like okay I don't have to worry about this yeah but until I hit it whereas you know some people they're just waiting for this you know this one thing and it's just it's tough because so you, want, tough. you just want an answer. Yeah. Then you want to be able to have been given this resources or medication or something to help you through this so that you don't have to constantly question yourself, um, you know, and then just and get rid of the cost straight away. So, like, yeah, you know, I have then a battle the next few. Things. I've got a friend and her big thing is um, executive dysfunction and you know, she knows mm. she needs to go and get a referral and she knows she needs to get in the queue and, yeah. you know, she just. Yeah, yeah. So then it's like, come on, you need to do it. Come on, you know you want to do it. Come on, yeah. let's just let's just get started. Yeah. Come on. Oh, it's yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, the executive <laughs> dysfunction alone can mm. make the process so much longer as well because you know you need, longer. To, you know you need to do it, but you just don't get around That's to doing right. it. <laughs> That's right. And I think um, I'm very lucky for my sister-in-law. She was the one to really help me there. And she was like, hey. And it was so on the two-month mark, she called. She, I think she called me or she messaged me. And she was like, hey, have you heard back from your referral, about your referral? And I was like, oh, actually, no. So then I called up the like the clinic and then they were like, oh, yeah, it's come through. Do you want to book? And I'm like, oh, that's all it took? Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, like I, I don't realise I, I struggle in these these ways until – someone has to physically remind tell you me yeah push me to do these things yeah and then sometimes like I like you like brain one brain two like it's like I'm really good at what I do at work and then and the other side of stuff I'm like ah like I'm yeah totally you know, such a ditz like I feel like Phoebe from Friends like I'm always floofy and blah and yeah. then I'm Monica totally thousand <laughs> percent yeah Phoebe yeah. oh Phoebe and Monica brains oh my goodness yeah we could call it I love that <laughs> Done. I love it. Oh, awesome. <laughs> oh, dear. i got to write that down. I love this. Um, Monica Rains. But no. Yeah, I, yeah. You know what's funny? So my one of my old workmates called me Monica. And then I remember telling her, like telling him, I'm like, uh, I know, I feel like a Phoebe. And he's like, uh, the, like, the fact that you're telling me you feel like you're a Phoebe tells me you're a Monica. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like a very, you know, you know yeah. I just got infuriated. And I'm like, okay, now I get it. Yeah. Now I get what you're talking totally. about. Um, but anyway, so, uh, tangent. But yeah, I. Um... It's just one of the things that I, 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 you know, it's like I've, you know, you were diagnosed last year. I was diagnosed as well around uh, November last year. And yeah. like there's still so much to learn. and So much to learn. And I think you just, um, you just need to embrace it um, because mm. it just, right. you know, it's just how your brain works. Embrace it. It just is what it is. Yeah. 
yeah and don't be ashamed of it it's just how it is like yeah I think the other thing in in getting a diagnosis the other thing I find really upsetting is when people go down the psychologist route and pay two thousand dollars for their diagnosis and then have to get in the queue for a psychiatrist so you know they've waited six months to a year to see a psychologist um and then Mm. you know then have to wait six months to a year to see a psychiatrist when they could have just seen a psychiatrist in the first place and I I feel like when you ring a psychologist and say hey I'm after an ADHD diagnosis you know they really should Mm -hmm. be stepping up and saying well it's going to cost you two thousand dollars and I can't medicate you so if you're looking to be medicated please Mm. just go and see a psychiatrist straight away yeah I actually yeah. had that happen to yeah. me I rang a psychologist I said I'm looking for an ADHD diagnosis like I had no clue what I needed to do um and she was like and her receptionist was just like you know if you're looking to medicate please just go and see a psychiatrist mm-hmm. um as your first port of call right. she said because we'll charge you two, two grand and we can't medicate you we can do cognitive behavioral therapy and that's it and I was like oh, I could kiss you yeah but they don't <laughs> I was just so lucky yeah. that the receptionist had said that to me but the majority yeah. of receptionists won't say that because you know they want they need the no. business which is fine yeah. but far out if you you're in the industry you know how hard it is to get a diagnosis and to get medicated like just tell people Mm. and save them the dollars and save them the time Mm. because I see it in yeah I see it my Facebook group all the time (laughs) people that have gone down the psychologist route Mm. first not really realizing that they couldn't get medicated and then they're like oh my Mm. god holy hell wow yeah. And it's just, I think it just puts. You just don't know what you don't know. No, and it puts distrust in the system as well because why didn't mm. anyone tell me that, mm. you know, a psychologist can't medicate and I've just spent $2,000 yeah. and six hours of my time doing the assessments and they can't help yeah. me the way I need being helped. Fair enough. If you don't want to be medicated, mm. go and see a psychologist. But if you do, I think yeah. you just need to be told straight up that, they can give you a diagnosis, but they can't give you the medication that you're looking for. And that just, it actually okay. grinds my gears a lot. That really annoys me. Oh, I just see it so much. And I, it's just, you know, especially with the way of the world at the moment, people can't afford this stuff at the in the first instance. And then to be mm. told that, you know, they can't help you any further. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah, it's horrible. I hate it. I just, yeah, it's such a big bugbear of mine. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, that's the thing, like you said, distrust in the healthcare system. It's like, if you're just wanting an answer, if you just want to help yourself, why not steer them in the right clear direction? Yeah. So that it doesn't cost them time, energy, money, and sanity. It gives them a quick answer. It gives them a quick recovery yeah uh, quicker recovery yeah. I guess or you know process um but instead then yeah you're pushed around and constantly digging for answers and like the past few interviewees I've had they've had similar experiences and I'm just like well yeah I and I, I understand how they like how frustrated you could feel because I let alone didn't know how to go about having one I just knew that well I need to to ask my GP and then eventually she was like yeah just here's a referral yeah. and then go to a psych and I'm like oh that's it because yeah. like when I did talk to my psych beforehand he, she was like oh yeah I think you might but I think it's just anxiety and I'm like I don't feel comfortable with you saying that so I'm gonna go to my GP and yeah. then because then when I talked to other people about when they did it through their psych it's like they had to do all these tests and I'm like I didn't even do one test my only test was waiting yeah totally and, and then Sitting there, right? And then sitting there for two hours with my psychiatrist for the first appointment and then him going, here you go, you've got ADHD, here's some medication. Yeah, I was really lucky that, (laughs) yeah, I was really lucky that I was, I didn't, he didn't, like I was just such a clear, apparently a clear-cut case that I was luckily diagnosed Mm. in the first session and didn't need to have all the school reports and the family history and all that sort of stuff. Yes. But, yeah, Yeah, it's just... And I think the other thing that annoys me, just touching on what you said then as well, is there's so many psychiatrists that don't Mm. understand ADHD in women, which is why so many women are misdiagnosed, like with depression and anxiety and 
all of the things that are comorbidities mm. of having ADHD, ADHD. But yeah, it's there's so mm. much, so many psychiatrists that just don't mm-hmm. understand it. I mean, even my psychiatrist, I'd done a, so much reading in the two months before I went to see him because it's just how I operate. Yeah. I need to know all of the things all of the time. Right. So I'd done so much research. Yeah. And even he, who specialises in ADHD in women, hadn't done any research on hormones in ADHD women and didn't understand, you know, didn't mm. really kind of, I was telling him what happens to a woman when she's premenstrual or when she's perimenopausal yeah. and, you know, how yeah. your symptoms can get so much worse the week before you've got your period and, you know, how peri- how yes. a lot of perimen- perimenopausal women only discover that they've got ADHD when they are perimenopausal because their symptoms are so severe that that's when they're like, wow, what's going on? This isn't just perimenopause anymore. And there's just, there just Mm. hasn't been enough research done into women with ADHD and girls specifically. Obviously there's a lot more now, but as I said at the beginning, there's a, you know, a whole age group, my age and older, we were just completely Mm. overlooked. (laughs) That's right. And that's the sad part because, you know, like, yeah, it's, yeah, we're constantly, we're underdiagnosed and then misdiagnosed. But if you're, if, you know, if if you're able to then be well-informed, that stuff can be easily fixed. Yeah. So easily Um, fixed. It was like unfortunate that you, yeah. yeah, it's nuts. It just so you had to basically educate your psychiatrist. Yeah, and I and yeah. you know he's supposed to be a specialist in you know women with ADHD, mm. and it's not just you know <laughs> little boys bouncing off the wall hyperactive. You know, there's three types. There's you know there's combined, mm. there's inattentive, and there's hyperactive. Mm. And I'm combined. Like mm. I'm way yeah. up there on the combined charts. So, and it's yeah it it's not just boys bouncing off walls and it's not just, you know, not being able to sit in your seat and in women it presents the hyperactivity is in our brains. So, you know, on the outside, Mm. you know, we might fidget a little bit and, you know, we might be a tiny little bit Mm. hyperactive or whatever, but all the activity is in our brains and we overthink and we spiral and we go down rabbit holes and we get sucked into time vortexes and, like, it's all just going on at a million miles an hour in our brains and that's where the hyperactivity is in women, which then affects your sleep and, you know, it's, it's wild that there is just so many women that have just been missed, so many women. And when I, you know, if you're in ADHD groups on Facebook and stuff, you'll read about 80-year-old women that have just been diagnosed and they're like, holy heck, where did my whole life go? Like, why? Like, if I was diagnosed in my 80s, I'd be like, fuck you. (laughs) Essentially, I remember I I read these stories all the time and it sucks because – you feel for them because you're already in that state, but you're not even like yeah. out, not not gonna say far gone, but I'm like you're not you're at an age where you can you have the time to still be able to work on that, and it's like these poor women like they 80, could have had yeah. This answer. Imagine having eighty years of life yeah. to look back on and be like, wow, how different could my yeah. life have been if it yeah. had been picked up? It yeah. just blows well, my mind. It. Oh, it's insane. I. Like touching on when you said like your psychiatrist being a specialized in, you know, I I remember telling my GP like I will specifically I want to specifically request a, uh, a psychiatrist that can diagnose women with ADHD, mm. like specifically like not just children, yeah. There's not many like of them out there. <laughs> I need that's what I mean, and I was like I need to know, and it's so lucky because she knew someone because obviously you know she went through school to do pick yeah, yeah. and also she was like I know someone who is actually really great let me pass you the details and it was just like you don't come across that like you no. don't just research and just find these people you have to know them and it's like it's such a cruel world sometimes I find like yeah it's the connections like it's not what you know it's who yeah you know, totally right? and, and it sucks because uh, you might get a GP that has no idea <laughs> Oh, you know, you might. And it's for the Yeah, and I I was, 
yeah, someone knew my psych as well, actually. My hypnotherapist knew my psychiatrist mm. and was like, get a referral to see mm. this psychiatrist because he, he diagnosed me. And she was like, he diagnosed me and he understands yeah. women, so, you know, go see him. So if I hadn't have had the diagnosis from her, I, to be fair, would have done some mm. research. But it's just so much <laughs> easier when someone has a lived experience and is like, yep, this guy's great, go to your GP and ask for a referral to him. Like, because your GP is not always going to know. Your GPs don't specialise in ADHD in women and they don't have the information and, you know, they'll just, like, plug in the psychiatrist and pull up 50 different names for you to go and research. And then, and I think that's Mm -hmm. also a great thing about, you know, Facebook communities and things like that is having that, those resources where you can go in and be like, okay, so who do I need to speak to and what do I need to do? And I see Mm -hmm. it in our Facebook group all the time, like, because it's, it's just women and it's uh, for our local area because I was in in a whole bunch of Facebook Mm -hmm. groups um, for women, but they were all uh, in different parts of Sydney or they were American or they just, I just really had noticed that there was a lot of us in my area, but there was nothing, no Mm -hmm. community group for us. I started the Facebook group and there's Mm -hmm. so many women joining Mm -hmm. who, you know, realize or think that they may have ADHD and they have no idea where to start. They have no idea what to do. And then it's like, there's like a whole community of women that are like, I see this psychiatrist and he's great. and His books are only three weeks long. Or, you know, I see this psychiatrist and he specializes in women and, you know, he's, he does Zoom calls if he, or telehealth, whatever it's called. He's like, you know, he does telehealth if you've got yeah. kids and can't get to an appointment. So having that community with this, like, combined knowledge is just so freaking useful. And it was what I was looking mm. for when I was diagnosed and it wasn't there. And so I just started it. And now we've, I think we've got, like, 400 women. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're all mums. Oh, um, most of us yeah. are mums. Um, but yeah, it's having that community. You need to find your community pretty much. And if you don't have a community, just make one because you just need the support. You just need other brains that get it and understand it and understand how hard it is and understand the slog, just the mental slog all day, every day. And, you know, the lived experience of how hard it can be because far out, it's hard. Hindsight's yeah. an amazing thing, oh, and hindsight, I just look <laughs> at my world pre-diagnosis, and I'm like, no wonder I was so exhausted all the time. I was just trying to stay on top of my life. Mm-hmm. Like I was just, yeah. yeah, it's wild, so wild. You just, it's just so exhausted all the time, and having someone else to understand that is just huge. Absolutely. And all that you said, I, I, um, I agree. I, I think with this, with this lens, I always say that with this lens, you're able to, you know, advocate. And then because you find your community and, and you connect with people who are in similar circumstances, especially with this understanding or limited understanding of what you have, it helps you help each other. Totally. And then you're able to provide these answers for people who don't know what's happening or how to get there like you know you might be at the you know their next step but they have no clue like again when we said like where the hell do I go do I go to a yeah. do I go to a psych do I go to a psychiatrist like what is this and, and like I said I, like, some yeah, people like, just again, don't have that cognitive like cognitive ability to figure mm. out what they need to do um and so just having that support mm. network and you know even just like I can't think straight today. Like, what do I need to be doing? Because, you know, you don't, sometimes you just can't think straight, but you need to get shit done and it's just easier when you've got people that understand it. Mm. It's a huge impact to your mental health as well. Like massively, whether or not you have this community, because at least then you don't feel alone. You don't feel less. You feel, you feel, you know, you feel a bit more, I guess, I don't know, just valid with with everything that you're experiencing Uh, yeah we have as I said we have a really Uh, neurodiverse workforce so I can have my quirky weird whacked out days mm. and it's completely fine and my boss has just been (laughs) amazing she's just next level and yeah it's it's really important that you find the people that understand you and uh, can help you and just 
can relate. Just the relatability is just wild. Even if you don't present the same and don't have the same issues, just knowing that, you know, one person might have executive dysfunction issues and someone else might have time blindness. You don't have the same thing, but you understand where it's coming from and why it's there. Just that acknowledgement is just huge in itself. Yeah, it's just huge. So important. Very. And I'm glad that you've done that for like your little, your local um, community, because if anything, yeah, you're just spreading awareness and you're helping each other. And it's a very, very important thing to do, um, especially with a condition that is misdiagnosed, underdiagnosed, and there is a very limited resources Mm. out there, even in Sydney, like how that I think I struggle to understand why that is still. And but seeing all these people and their stories is it's very empowering so i think you know keep keep doing what you're doing i I find that's really amazing that's really nice to hear um well we've covered a lot (laughs) without me asking (laughs) i don't think we even got through half the Um, questions to me (laughs) i didn't have to ask i think you kind of basically did the but and it's funny because um, sorry context for the listeners um, she Charlie didn't know what to say for her message and I've written at least ten <laughs> quotes that she has pretty much given uh, me so but I think before we get to that message um, <laughs> what you want I know you wanted to mention this as well and I would love to learn apart from your alarm clocks and lists what helps you manage what resources um, and I know you want to mention your naturopath. Yeah, my naturopath. So Um, I think the biggest resource that I am really tapping into at the moment is my naturopath. Um, I don't even know how I got onto her or thought of using a naturopath, but um, (laughs) I must have been a meme somewhere about a naturopath and an an ADHD person, and that's what made (laughs) made me think of it. But I – so I contacted this naturopath. She has a large number of her family members that are ADHD um, and really understands it. So she has put me onto a whole bunch of supplements by a whole bunch. I don't mean I'm, like, chugging down 50 million pills each day. It's just a powder, a compound powder that she makes up. Um, All my zincs and bees because when you're ADHD, you can actually have – um pyrols which is malabsorption um and so she mm-hmm. has which you know affects your all your vitamin intakes like zinc and bees and um all of those yes. really important brain function nutrients um so I'm on a really great compound mm. for that and mm-hmm. fine tuning it with her I now have some of my compound mixed in the morning and then I have the other half in the afternoon to get me through that afternoon slump when my medication is starting to wear off. And because I sometimes now that I'm used to my meds, I feel like I've kind of hit a threshold and they're not working as effectively as they could Mm be. Didn't necessarily want to increase my dose, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to do something to increase my brain function Mm -hmm. without having to increase my medication. And so this compound that my naturopath has me on, it gets me through my day and then I take it again at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and it's all my bees and zincs and stuff like that and it gets me through coming home, having to do homework with the kid, having to cook dinner, all of that. Like normally I'd get home in the afternoon, it would be 10 past 5, I'd quickly cook dinner and I'd be brain dead and in bed by 7.30 because my job is so, so intensive. I'd be physically, mentally mm. overloaded, and but I still need to come home and adult and be a mum and get through that afternoon slog. Cool. And so, yeah, it's, it's been nuts. Like it's just so, so helpful to have the mm. backup of a naturopath and to know that I'm doing it naturally and I'm not impacting my system with more stimulants and stuff like that. She's also just put me on to, um, mm. I think it's a herb, uh, called rhodiola uh, mm-hmm. and it increases cognitive okay. brain function and it's, it's like it's amazing so I take it in conjunction okay. with my um, Ritalin on medicated days and so this morning knowing I wasn't taking any Ritalin because I have breaks on weekends I took the rhodiola and I'm like mm-hmm. instead of usually on a Saturday I'm really quite sluggish mentally um, when I don't medicate 
Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I take the radiola now on a Saturday and I'm like, oh, I've actually, no, I can still function kind of thing. It's not a, it's not as, you know, amazing as a stimulant, but it's still, I definitely noticed the difference. Um, and just, yeah, being able to yeah, speak right. to her about things that change and, you know, the way my brain function changes or, you know, I slump in the afternoons and all of that sort of stuff and her being mm. able to completely understand it and then come up with a plan um and a compound that helps my brain function has just been mind-blowing it's been so good i'm not anti-medication per se obviously because i'm on it um but i just didn't really want to increase my dose necessarily um and so yeah i wanted to look into this first and it's just been awesome it's been so good yeah that's really amazing to hear um that's definitely something i've wanted to look into it's nice to hear um from your perspective um because i have heard i've seen like i've read a lot of research that has said like you know increasing your vitamins and, and all that is very important um, yeah. especially having adhd because it's a lot of the things that we're missing out on um so yeah i, I like yeah, that and, take, I, and i think that's something i want to definitely because well. i know for me my and um, my naturopath actually backed this up is you know my brain functions best when i got heaps of protein on board and when i don't eat carbs because carbs just mm. i call it my peanut butter brain carbs just like it's like wading through peanut butter up, up there. It all just goes so slow and gluggy and it's just such oh, a punish. So, yeah. And that's what carbs do to my brain. So I also, you know, make sure I've got right. – she doesn't do just the compounds and the supplements and the herbs. She also then looks at your diet and things like that. And, you know, I drink bone broth for protein yeah. and um, try not to eat too many carbs and mm. stuff like that because I know – I knew that before mm-hmm. I even was diagnosed. I knew that if I ate too many carbs, mm-hmm. my brain went to mush. So I've always known instinctively to yeah. have a lot of protein and less carbs. Um, but then, yeah, when she backed it up, I was like, oh, yeah. you kind of just – you know, when you listen to your body, you sort of innately know what you do need to do. Um, and I'm just lucky mm. that I do listen to my body or can understand it when it's telling me to do stuff. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's super beneficial to, you know, not just rely on the medication and look at other ways of boosting your brain power. Absolutely. I think that's very important, uh, a, good, a very important lesson for anyone that is, that has ADHD because they don't tell you that and you go um, to a psychiatrist and when I say they are yeah and you go to your psychiatrist you do your testing he gives you your medication and off you go like Mm. they don't tell you yeah that's it that's right yeah it's like yeah see ya okay and that's the take that I always say yeah and like I had to see a psych for them to then like I always say this I always I'm repeating myself but I always say what I was told, like my psych was the only one to give me the definite answer to tell me, to reassure me, like why I had to take medication. Cause I'm like, I'm not anti-medication. It's just that I need to understand why I'm doing it and, and why it's there and yeah, all that stuff. Like, totally. And I said to a and friend of mine, like, yeah. And that. I said to a friend of mine who was recently diagnosed, mm. I said, if you were diabetic, you wouldn't deny yourself insulin. I was like, you literally just, no, your brain right. just works differently and it just needs a little few different chemicals to make mm. it work more efficiently like it's Ritalin or you know stimulants yes. have such yeah. a bad rep and it's so unfortunate mm. because it is mm. for some people it can be life-saving yeah. it can literally mean the difference between functioning yeah. and not functioning yeah. and it's it Ritalin got a really bad rep in yes. the 80s and 90s um so yeah it's it's so sure. unfortunate but yeah if you're diabetic you take insulin well, that's right. And that's the thing that I got from my psych was like, well, you have to understand you may need it, you know, forever or it depends up to you, like how you how you take it. But it's also that, yeah, your brain doesn't naturally produce these chemicals. So, yeah, that's totally. Why there, right. Like they don't need, they don't just make this medication. No, for nothing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I've had to sit with that. But no, it's it's a it's important to go through these things. because no, no one's going to tell no you. One does. I think that's why people speak out yeah. about this right i mean all i got i say this again all i got was a fact sheet of the side oh, effects i don't think like, i even got that, that. i think like, he told me briefly like... before i left and then i was like uh, I, think yeah. I, might, I think i might do some reading on this one before i actually stick it in my mouth <laughs> yeah no that's right well yeah well there you go well it's something to note for future people exactly <laughs> well before we finish up i'm i'm so glad to have you here and I'm so 
um thankful for you to oh thank you for having me your story and, and no I'm so happy you've reached out as well and to learn about you I I just want to know if you do have a message um, for I would say just embrace it and you're bro- you're not broken like you're really not broken I think that was my biggest thing um and my I think that was part of my grief was that for so long you know I was a chatterbox or I was just a bit odd or I was just a bit weird or you know and this is people telling you this as well and like why do you do things so differently and um and you're not you you're not broken you just you and you think differently and you see the world with such a completely different perspective and you just need to embrace it because there's others out there like you and it's it's just who you are but yeah definitely definitely not broken yeah it that was my big thing I was like wow I'm not broken I just have two brains (laughs) thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review it on Spotify. To catch the latest, you can follow me on Instagram at nyntpodcast, and if you would like to be a guest on the podcast, send an email to nyntpodcast at gmail.com. Please remember that the content in this podcast is not intended to provide medical advice and should not be relied on as such. If you are experiencing any health concerns, you are encouraged to seek advice from a medical professional. Not Your Neurotypical Podcast aims to create an informative and supportive safe space for neurodivergent individuals and their allies to connect, learn and grow together. Each episode is recorded on Gadigal Land, Sydney, Australia, hosted and produced by me, Raylan Sebastian, with music composed by Hubert de Monteverde. Thank you for joining me on this journey and stay tuned for the next episode.